Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and always, I know I say this every week, but I really do mean this from the bottom of my heart. I so appreciate you listening and really wanting to be the best version of you and taking the time to put into you some healthy things, healthy ways of interacting, healthy ways of thinking, you know, of overcoming. And so I'm really glad that you're listening. And if you're a first-time listener, I want to make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Lots of things available there for you. And get on the mailing list. We have a great uh, midweek that we send out for you that is also inspiring. So today, we're going to be talking about the issue of love. And everybody loves love, right? And we're always kind of confused if love doesn't feel very loving. And so I like the book by Go- da, sorry, Bob Goff, and it's called Love Does. I'm sure you've heard of it before. And one of the, the three things that came out of this book is that, first and foremost, Jesus spent a lot of his time with people that Christians often try to avoid. Think about that. The lowliest, the, the criminals, the murderers, the liars, the thieves— And the second thing that came out of this book was it's okay to try and fail. And I remind my clients daily and myself, I say, you know, one of the bravest things a human could do is try. If they succeed, it's great. But if they fail, it's still a success because they tried. Now, the third thing is perhaps Jesus is more interested in us doing stuff with him rather than just memorizing stuff about him. So think about that. He's a man. He's a real person. So he loves to be with us. I want you to invite him into every event you have during your day. Talk to him as you're driving to work. You don't have to make a, it doesn't have to be a really, wow, I don't know, huge, eloquent prayer. Just think toward God. Just think toward Jesus. I think thoughts toward him all the time. And many times... During the day, I might get actually an answer for what I was thinking. So these are some of the greatest quotes from Bob Goff. And it says, first and foremost, I've always wondered 
if when we want to do something that we know is right and good, God places that desire in our heart because he wants it for us and it honors him. So maybe there are times when we think a door has been closed and instead of misinterpreting the circumstances, God wants to kick it down. So maybe he's ahead of us already and we're thinking he's behind us, not doing his job. So we want to make certain that most people even vow to themselves sometime in high school or college not to be typical, right? But still, they just kind of loop back to it somehow, like a circular rails on a train or an amusement park. And the scripts we know offer kind of a brand of security, predictability. Maybe they feel safe for us. But the problem is they only take us where we've already been. They can't take us farther than where we should be going. And so we want to live a different kind of life, a life that takes guts and grit, a life that is one of forgiveness, of goodness, of mercy, of grace. So this is what I want you to think about. Figuring out God's will for my life, for yours, is about centering ourselves on Jesus because he's the one that took the hit. He's the one that died to make sure we actually have a life. And so we want to live out that love that he showed us in action. And we want to figure out overall that it's an important and significant reason for us to reevaluate our lives. Am I living by the code that I purport to live by? Or am I just giving lip service? Am I trying hard things? Am I working on forgiveness? And always remember that forgiveness doesn't always mean relationship. Many people in my life, I forgive so that we can keep intimacy. And there are some people in my life that I forgive them because I don't want to be poisoned by what was done to me. And this is why we want to make sure that we really, really work on this issue of love and that we love the world. We love each other. We love ourselves. And I'm telling you, at least for me, loving myself is the hardest one to do. It really is. I, you know, there, I've, I've told you on this show before, there's been times I just wanted to unzip myself and get out. I just did not want to be me. <laughs> I didn't want to be with me, around me. I didn't want to know me. And so this is where we can really look for the Bible, for some really powerful statements as to how God loves us and the value he places on every human life, including yours. So here's some of those promises. This is Genesis 1:27, and it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So you have to understand that your value began with the fact that you were made by the hand of the creator in his very image. Now, you know, that's a big thing to say. I know for myself, I think about, uh, am I living up to his image? Uh, no, I'm not. Am I trying? Absolutely, I am. And with his help, I've done better than ever. But I- I'm not sure that I can keep that always going, so I have to constantly depend on him. 
So he created me in his image. That means I have elements of God in me. How about this? This is Isaiah 49, 15. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Even if you are forsaken by family and friends, you have to understand that you are always cherished, cherished in the heart of God. His ability to love is incomprehensible. His ability to forgive is even more incomprehensible. Now, this is one of my favorite verses. This is Jeremiah 29, 11, and it says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is how God thinks toward me, even on my worst day, even in the, I don't know, decadence of my mind or my heart. He still says, I have good thoughts toward you of peace and not of evil. And I'm giving you a future, and I give you hope. So how about this one? This is Jeremiah 31, 3. And this is really moving. It says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Uh, Let me say that again. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you to me. See, this is saying his love for you is relentless. It's immeasurable. It's infinite. It's always. You can't kill it. See, I can kill love that maybe a human has for me by my behaviors, my attitudes, whatever it is that I do or don't do. But I can't with God. And so in Romans 5.8, it says God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners. And I would like to say, while we are now still sinning, right? Christ died for us. See, the creator of life loves you so intensely that he made sure he died in your place and wanting to make sure that you can undo and redo your mistakes. So knowing that we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. See, God was willing to pay the highest price in the entire universe to redeem you. And that's the blood of his dear son. So I like this one. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And this says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I've come to really cherish this verse because it's not just saying it one time. It's not saying that you're a new creation and old things have passed away and new things have come. It's saying, I'm going to continue to do this with you. That if you are in Christ, I'm continuing to make a new creation out of you. He's putting my sins as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. So think about this. You belong to God. And as long as you cling to him, no one can take that from you. No one can remove you from his heart, his mind, his soul. 
from his heart. Think about that. No one can remove you from the love of God. So we're, we're coming to the end of this segment, and I want to really take some time with another particular part of the Bible, which is Psalms 139, and it has truly become one of my favorites. It's so comforting for me because it talks about why you were created, why you were made, how you were made, and how loved you are by the creator of the universe. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about the love of God truly for you. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. And if you're just tuning in, we are talking about this loving, loving, loving thing called love and what love does and how we know if it's true love. And so I gave you a whole bunch of Bible verses that are some of my favorites about how God loves us. And it's incomprehensible. I I mean, I am, (laughs) I mean... I think I'm kind of a good person in some ways. I, I, I try to do my best. But, you know, if I had to stand before God for the thoughts that I've had in my life, the intentions that I might have had, the things that I have said, it would be pretty frightening. It would be very frightening, actually. And so this is why I want you to know what love truly is. And I want you to be a better lover of yourself, of others, of the world, of who, your enemy, whatever that may be. And remind yourself that when we love someone, it doesn't always mean relationship. I do a lot of loving things for strangers. doesn't mean we're best friends. So this particular Psalms was very helpful for me. Um, at a younger time in my life, I was struggling with identity because I was adopted, and I was in foster care, and then I was adopted, and I was adopted into a family that really was not like me in any way, shape, or form. So I, I, I never felt like I fit in, and they didn't understand me. I didn't understand them, and, and it was difficult. And I remember I would say to God, why did you make me? What is the point? I'm not like anybody. My family doesn't like me, which they did, but I didn't feel like they did. And so he gave me this Psalms 139, and this is out of the, uh, the Message Bible, which is a different translation. And it talks about God's omnipresence and his omniscience. And so it starts with, and it says, God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. Now, let me tell you this. The writer here is saying you know, investigate my life, get all the facts firsthand. I'm open. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. See, he's telling God he knows the truth. That whether or not he acknowledges it, this is true. And it goes on to say, you know, when I leave and when I get back, I'm never out of your sight. You know, everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead, and you're there too. Your reassurance presence, 
coming and going. This is too much. It's too wonderful. I can't take it all in. So this is a moment for this writer where he is saying, I can't comprehend that this God of the universe is loving me. And he goes on to say, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. And then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. Think about that. He even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. So what this writer is saying is, I can accept the love of God, or I can run from it. But even if I run from it, he still is with me. Even if I run from it, he still can find me. And he still knows where I am all the time. Think about you that have little kiddos or a pet. How you feel if you're not sure where they are. If you don't know if they're okay. See, this is God saying, hey, I see even in the dark. Even though you don't know I'm around, I'm around. And this part was so powerful for me because of being adopted and not being anything like the family that I was adopted into. It says, oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I'm marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. I was sculpted from nothing into something. Now see, what that's telling us is that God is wanting us to love ourselves as much as he loves us, which is incomprehensible and actually impossible. But this is God saying, you don't understand. There's nothing about you that's hidden from me that would cause me to stop loving you. I know it all. I know all of it. Every moment of your life, every thought you've ever had, every feeling that has occurred. So where does this leave us? See, this is what's really, really important. This comes down to self-care. When you think about the energy, the thought, the love that God put into creating you, and that he knows everything about you more than you could ever know about you, and he's telling you how much he loves you, and that you can't make him stop loving you. So what is self-care? Why is it important for you? And this is why I tell clients frequently when they're like, well, I just, you know, I don't want to do that. It's too, I don't know, like giving myself too much stuff. It's, it's being too nice to myself. It's, you know, whatever it is. It's like feeling like it's in some way self-indulgence. And I say to them, self-care is not self-indulgence. See, this is loving the one that the others love. How would you feel or how do you feel when someone you love will not take care of themselves? 
and there's nothing you feel like you can do about it. How do you feel about that? Impotent, right? It's horrible. It's a, it's a burden. It's sad. It's scary. So when we think about the love of God, one of the ways we love God back is to take care of the one that he loves. That's the best way to honor God, is I take care of the one he loves. And if you, if you boil it down to something very concrete, think about parents. You parents that have children that won't take care of themselves. You're worried about them every night. Imagine how you would feel if your children were taking good care of themselves. And this is why this is so important, that we take care of the one they love. So I know my mom. She's 90 years old now. She still worries about me. And she's so glad when I call her and I tell her how well things are going. Now, that doesn't mean that every day everything is going well. But she likes to know that I'm safe, that I'm healthy. And she'll say, did you go to the doctor? Do you feel sick? And so she's wanting me to be okay because she's my mom, even though she's not my biological mother. She's been the mom I've known for 60 years. Imagine that. So when I take care of me and she doesn't have to worry, that's a precious gift I give to her. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of taking care of the one they love. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. You're listening to Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're just tuning in, we are talking about the book Love Does by Bob Goff and the power of love and what love really is. And so we left off in this place where I was talking to you about self-care and why it's so important for you. And I'm, I want to remind you that loving the one others love. See, people love you. Now, we all know that love doesn't always feel good, right? So people can say they love me, and I'm not really sure (laughs) if I like the way they're loving me. But love is love. And so when I recognize that people do care for me, they might not always be happy with me. They might be upset with me. I might have hurt their feelings. I might have let them down. Whatever it was, whatever I stumbled over. But that doesn't mean they don't love me. So the greatest gift you can give to the ones who love you is to take care of the one they love. Think about that. Think about how much peace you have when you go on vacation and someone else is watching your little cat or your dog or whatever it is. And how you think to yourself, okay, I hope they're okay. I hope they're okay. And you remind yourself of who is caring for them. So this is why it's so important that the greatest gift you can give to the ones who love you is to take care of the one they love. Think about the peace you get and the peace you give to others when you care for the one they love. You remove worry. 
You remove fear. You remove uncertainty, anger, guilt, frustration, etc. from the relationship that you have with them. And you're also a lot more fun. You're a lot more fun to be with because you're not having to talk about all your problems that are solvable if you would only take care of you and the life you have. So should I say that one more time? <laughs> it's not an easy thing to hear. But I've had to tell it to myself several times. So I say, think of the peace that you give to others when you care for the one they love. You remove worry, fear, uncertainty, anger, guilt, frustration, and so on from the relationship that you have with them. You're also a lot more fun to be with because you're not having to talk about all the problems that are truly solvable if you would take care of you and the life you have. Think of how much more energy and patience and love and concern and help and compassion they have if you are taking care of you. You are giving back to them. So imagine, imagine this, imagine a world where everyone took care of themselves. How much freer we would be. How much energy we would have to do good and to take care of our compromised loved ones and even strangers. So I'm sure you've heard of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's profound when you realize the amount of resources that he had to give a stranger. So let's talk about this a little bit because this is Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, and it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but that was a very revelatory sentence for me because what it did was it caused me to have to look at the way I love myself and I had to take responsibility for the fact that um, I don't think people would want me to love them the way I love myself <laughs> because I wasn't very loving to myself this is very very important this is a command from the Bible actually and it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So I want you to think about this. Do you love yourself? And I don't mean, you know, giving yourself things and, and indulging yourself. I'm talking about, do you have a relationship with you that you have your own back? That no matter what you do, you're not going to abandon yourself. You're going to forgive yourself. You're going to learn so that you don't repeat whatever the folly was. Are you loving you. And so if you are willing to love a stranger, but not yourself, what does that say? See, Jesus was asked to confirm what he meant when he said the word neighbor. Well, we're going to talk about that. What is my neighbor? What does that really mean? Because it's explaining that people should love everyone, including their enemies. You know, typically people say it's easy to love friends and family. Well, yeah, I think it's easier to love friends, I, I think. It's not so much easier to love my family. And it's not very easy to love myself. Especially if I've had harm and hurt from myself or others. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me as we talk more about loving the one that people love.
Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And if you're just tuning in, I want to make sure that you go to your favorite podcast server because it will be there that you can listen to it in its entirety. And certainly, I love it when you send these to your friends. And, you know, we also have study guides and we, that you can download. So if you want to listen to the show as a group, you can walk through all the questions and, and really delve deeper into what we're talking about. And so what the main thing of today is, is Love Does. And that's the book Bob Goff wrote. So when you think about Love Does, what does love do? So when we think about love as a quality in and of itself, what is that quality? What does love really do? Doesn't lie. It's not mean. It's not disrespectful. It doesn't um, like when there is wrong that is done. See, love is patient, right? So when we think about why self-care is so important, It's because it's the greatest gift you could give to the ones that love you. How do you feel when you have to worry about one of the people that you love? And when you try to help them and they won't take the help? How does that feel? It's horrible. It's it's very painful. So what we want to do, the greatest gift you could give any person in your life is to take care of the one they love. And this is why this is so important. And, and we talked about in that last segment, think about the peace you give to others when you care for the one they love. See, they don't have to worry about you. They don't have to be uncertain. They don't have to get angry with you and then feel guilty because maybe they weren't nice to you. Maybe they read you the riot act. They don't have frustration. And so the relationship you have with them becomes cleaner, neater, tidier, and a lot more enjoyable. And so you also have more fun And you're more fun to be with because you're not having to talk about all your problems that probably are solvable, right? So if you would only take care of you and the life you have, think about how that changes things. Imagine a world where everyone took care of themselves, how much freer we would be, how much energy we would have to do good. And the energy to take care of the compromised people and even strangers, so we left off in that last segment with this ber- verse, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, that says, love your neighbor as yourself. So this goes back to what we've been talking about. Would it be loving if you loved your neighbor the way you love yourself? Would that help them? And so Jesus was telling the story of the Good Samaritan, the parable, to explain that people should love everyone, including their enemies. See, it's easy to love friends and family. Mm, sometimes, Right. I think maybe the hardest person to love is ourselves because sometimes we assume that love and, you know, ingratiation or love and indulgence is loving ourselves. when actually refusing indulgence might be more of an act of love toward ourselves. So what we want to think about is it's much more difficult to love those you may not get along with or even those who have harmed you or hurt you. And to show love to your enemies, okay, is truly loving as Christ did. This was his whole game plan when he came to earth, was to show, express, and educate people on true love, what love really is, and that love covers a multitude of sin. 
Love is the thing that says, hey, I got your back. I know you screwed up. I know you did wrong. I know it's going to take time to fix it. It might cost a lot of money as well. This was a really bad one. But I got you. That's covering. That's the love. So in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus uses this example of the Jew and the Samaritan. See, who would not ordinarily have been friendly towards one another. However, out of all of those who could have helped the Jew, the only one who did was the Samaritan. And Jesus tells this story of the man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and was attacked by robbers on the way. And he was badly beaten and left for dead. And the first person to pass this injured man was a priest. And the priest crossed the road and continued walking, didn't want to have anything to do with it. The second person passed the injured man, and this man was a Levite. That's a priest's assistant. He also crossed the road and continued walking, not looking back. Now, the third person to come by was a Samaritan. And this is a person from Samaria. Now, the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. And when the Samaritan saw the man, he took pity on him. He bandaged him, cleaned his wounds. wounds. Then he put him on the back of his donkey, took him to an innkeeper, and he paid the innkeeper to look after him, and he paid for his room. And so what this says is the parable ends with Jesus giving a commandment to go and do the same as the Samaritan had done. You love your enemy. So I'm telling you today, if you are your own enemy, you need to do the will of God, which is loving your enemy. And I have had to work on that in my life. When I was younger, I really hated myself. I did not like myself. I was mean to myself. And it's like I couldn't figure out how to have any good feelings about me. Because no matter how many talents I had, no matter what my appearance was, no matter who I knew, I still hated myself inside. So when we think about self-care, if any of you are struggling with internal hatred toward yourself, there's nothing on the planet that you can buy, no, no thing that you can do, that will cause you to like yourself better. It really is a spiritual issue. It's a decision to make, to say, I'm going to care for the least of these, and that's me. And I don't want to, but I know it's a noble endeavor. So self-care may be defined kind of by the term itself. It's caring for yourself. It includes anything you do to keep yourself healthy, physically, mentally, spiritually. And so we, we prioritize self-care. And it may sound like common sense, especially if you're considering longevity, like you want to live a long time. It's often the first thing we go to when we find ourselves in challenging situations because maybe we have bad health, there's a financial crisis, a job loss, a divorce, you know, even COVID, right? So this is why it's important to keep it top of your mind and not have it be an afterthought, especially when we find ourselves in challenging times. See, I remind people, this is why we have EMTs, emergency medical technicians, right? Because we don't want someone to have to wait three days if they're bleeding out. So sometimes you have to say, maybe this is emergent. Even though the rest of me might be kind of going along okay, 
how is how much is this behavior or thought going to hurt me in the long run? And what if it's not repairable, right? I'm sure you've known some people that have really struggled in their life, haven't taken care of themselves. Maybe they were addicted to drugs, eating disorders, um, really scandalous behavior or dangerous behaviors. And, and maybe they survived it, but it's going to be hard to thrive because there's still a lot of repair and maybe it can't all be repaired. So this is why we want to think about this idea of self-care and that this is the greatest act of love that you could do because you'll be available then for people when they need you. You will have the wherewithal to say yes and you will also have the courage to say no. But if you're compromised, it will mess up your judgment and you won't be able to discern whether I should help, whether I should not help. What if they find out about me? So I better not help them because they might find out about the stuff I need help with. So why is self-care so important? Well, see, in the society in which people are expected to work really long hours and maybe even pass on vacation days, see, there's this weird underlying belief that somehow we're supposed to always be productive. And this is very much an American sickness in some ways. It started out really good because it created the best, you know, nation in the entire history of the world. But the problem is we don't know how to relax. We don't know how to settle down. Maybe we know how to party, right? (laughs) So it might give us this temporary feeling of euphoria. But the after effects are horrible. So we always think we should be doing something that if somehow if we're not, then then we're we're lazy. And so what happens is we take away from the opportunities for self-care when we think that we're supposed to be striving and we don't want people to think that we're lazy. Then many times we end up overdoing the very thing that is supposed to be helping us. And so when you take time and take time out to engage in self-care, You may relieve the pressures of everyday life and you get to do a reset and you get to get back to a healthy point where productivity is once again maximized and you're not trying to live out of the deficit. So when you consider the costs that are associated with mental health, with lost wages, with no job, with the destruction it does to your body if you're not giving it what it needs, See, you find that if you are willing to care for you, it benefits everyone. Burning the candle at both ends, you know, there's some significant consequences with that. And that could be even burnout. Now, I don't know how many of you have experienced that. I have. And it is tough to come away and to heal from burnout. So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how valuable you are and that self-care is an important activity to do every day. And doing so will lead toward a better balance among your dimensions of wellness and lead you toward improved overall health and wellness. See, life is precious and you are valuable. You are a one-time occurring person. If we lose you, there aren't any more that are coming along. So you become extinct. So whether or not you feel it, remember, we've done shows on feelings are very real, but not always true, right? 
So I want you to understand, you may not feel valuable enough to save, but the EMTs would never walk away from you, nor would your parents probably. And if they would, then you need to learn to be the best parent you could have. And that's part of your self-care, that you give to you what you know you need, sometimes what you want, because that's always fun, but that we don't ever refuse to give ourselves what we need. So if you need to talk to somebody about figuring out what a need is and is it different, how is it different than a want, I would really recommend that you do that so that you can streamline the idea of self-care and be far more efficient and not get confused about indulgence and self-care. Your life is precious. It's meant to be enjoyed. And I want you to take care of the one he loves. I want you to take care of the one that they love. And that would be you. Whether you feel it or not, that's you. And we love you and we want you to stay around. You're the only one of you that we have. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for listening. Send it to all your friends. And I want you to have a great rest of your week and be kind and caring to you. You're the only one we have. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. <music>